kind of came up throughout the afternoon and uh, we're believing that God is going to touch these this, this afternoon in Jesus name. First of all, I was at the Maverick next door and a guy named uh, Tim over there had a uh, friend that committed suicide and uh, he reached out to me as I was getting my snack before church tonight and uh, he just said, you could tell that he was struggling a little bit with it and so he said that he needed some prayer and uh, we can pray for him in Jesus name and believe that God can reach him and touch him and uh, not only that but reveal so much more to him in Jesus name. Also, there is a church in our district. I don't know if I should mention the name or not, or if it's public, but um, there is a church in our district that uh, COVID has went through their entire church. Everybody in that church has gotten COVID. And uh, unfortunately, one person has recently died in that church from that. Um, and so that's why we're taking the precautions that we are here, but we wanna pray for that church that God uh, just continues to bring comfort and support there in Jesus' name. And we believe it uh, through that as well. And then last but not least, um, would like us to pray for Sister Leisha. Somebody uh, put a prayer request in for you tonight um, for, for some things tomorrow. I won't go into it. You can ask her and she can tell you if you, if you want to. But um, if you both want to come forward, we're going to anoint you both and pray for you tonight. I'm going to put my mask on and we'll pray for you all tonight. And um, in Jesus' name, if you don't if you don't have one, I'll wear mine and then we should be good to go. So yes, that would be awesome. But let's just lift our hands. Let's pray for all these things. If you want to extend your hands towards this couple, let's pray in Jesus' name. Yes. We're believing for a good report right now. Hallelujah. Lord, you are the one. Oh, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, amen. Hallelujah. You are the one, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. Oh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I speak the word of faith. Hallelujah. That is nigh unto my lips in Jesus' name. Oh, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, right now, your grace is all. Oh, hallelujah. believe it in Jesus name and his wonderful power and what he is going to do in Jesus name you can be seated tonight again thank you for being here I don't know what happened but uh, for some reason my voice uh, when I was praying tonight that felt like there was just something there that I can't get out of it now I have a bug in my throat and so I'm going to speak tonight until my voice completely gives out if it does but that's why it sounds a little goofy I don't know why why it did that but uh 
it's there, and I guess we'll, we'll just have to deal with it tonight in Jesus' name. But thank you so much for being here. Um, I just want to remind you that in two weeks, uh, so two weeks from today, we will be live streaming a general conference. And so we, uh, it's going to be a great conference. Um, it will actually start on Tuesday that week, and it will go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we're going to start that at 5.30 here at the church is when, uh, when that time is scheduled to, to begin. But just some powerful services. You'll get to hear about global missions, home missions. Um, all sorts of stuff around the world. Uh, Friday night youth service, which is always uh, one of the best, I, I think, you know. Um, and uh, so there's just, there's some great stuff that you can be a part of there. So if you can be here, um, we want to encourage you to be here in Jesus' name. I, I was talking to Brother Carlos, and he was talking about how he doesn't get off until a little bit later past that. And um, everybody actually will have access to this on Facebook. And so if you, for some reason, have to work late, you could start live streaming it on your phone and, uh, and then just drive to the church. And when you get to the church, then jump off your phone and jump right in with us. So there's ways to get involved. Um, you, you can be uh, involved with that and see that. And then there's actually going to be a bunch of different seminars, uh, I believe, that they're going to push out during those days as well. Um, so videos that we can go back and watch later. So usually there's some really good stuff in there that we can learn about. Um, all different aspects as far as um, how do I pray for somebody, how do I receive the Holy Ghost, how, how do I reach my community, Bible studies. I mean, they have so many good topics usually on this, and you usually can't pick and choose. I mean, it, there's just so many there that it, it's difficult. So I'm thankful that they're pre-recording some of this because now we can go through all of it um, over the next few weeks. And so um, I would encourage you to be here uh, and join in with us on that because it will, uh, it definitely will bless you and it will definitely be uh, something that is enriching for you in Jesus' name. And we believe that uh, for him. But that's really the only thing that we have uh, major that is going on right now and uh, everything else just seems to be rolling the, the typical way and uh, moving forward in Jesus' name. And so tonight we're going to finish our uh, series on peace. And uh, I hope and pray that these have been blessings to you, have encouraged you. Um, I know that they have for me and that they have done some incredible things for me as far as really trying to uh, reassess my life. Tonight is one of those lessons that will kind of cause us to dig deep and look at ourselves and, and look at our hearts. And I would encourage you to do that, um, to not, again, use this lesson to say, well, that's for so-and-so across the room, but to say, man, this is something that God is speaking for me tonight, and there's something here that I need to listen to. So the stuff that I'm going to say here tonight is not to pick on anybody, but it's to help you achieve peace uh, better in your life. And, uh, and so I believe that God is going to help us to do that. And um, it's really one of those lessons that we need to hear often because uh, you, you will see why as we begin to uh, dig into it here tonight. But I'm just thankful for what God has done through these. And if you haven't been able to listen to them, go back and listen to the last lessons because these all just kind of pile together and, and do something great in the kingdom in Jesus' name. And so tonight we'll start out with the scripture here and uh, we'll see there we go. The Peacemakers is the title of what we have here tonight. In Matthew 5 and 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It really is a great scripture there because it's talking about us needing to take action. A peacemaker is somebody who is actively striving to make peace in their environment, in the things that they are doing, in the places that they are walking. And so the scripture is telling us that we need to have some action or some part in this, and that if we do have some action or some part in that, then we can be called the children of God, which is a great title, I think. 
thing. And I, I believe that everybody here tonight would say, man, I want to be a child of God. I want to be somebody who is close to him, to having that, that father-son relationship that is close where I can reach out and experience him and know that he has that authority inside of my life. And so just some great, great stuff for sure. And so that's what we're going to focus on tonight is about being a peacemaker. I know that we have talked about peace coming into our lives and dwelling in the peace of God and how he is the Prince of Peace. And those are all great things. But now we're going to turn it around and say that we ourselves can become peacemakers in environments that can be very difficult or very tough. And so we're going to talk about how we do that here tonight in Jesus' name. This is a bit lengthy, but let me read this to you because I think it brings this into context tonight in Jesus' name. It says, the hum of conversation was frequently punctuated with an emphatic gesture or passionate outburst. As the day wore on, the atmosphere was charged with the opposing debate. Obviously, there would be no easy resolution, and it was unlikely that Peter or any of the church elders would be able to be a broker or a satisfactory compromise. The debate had progressed beyond just expressions of different viewpoints, and now it had become more personal, and ethnic divide, this ethnic divide grew wider. Jewish traditions, long ingrained in the culture, were understood by original, first adopters of Christianity. It was unlikely that the new adherents of the cultures would be able to adopt the Jewish traditions and embrace their practices. Barnabas and Paul had arrived earlier, and it seemed the level of debate intensified as the buzz of discussion grew. Though they were also of Jewish background, the recent travels had taken them through many cities of the Grecian culture, uh, influence, and pagan traditions. Surely the numerous Gentile conversations would infiltrate the church and bring countless strange ideas with them. Some of their dietary choices were abhorrent to the Jewish believers, and no wonder the tensions ran high as they considered the implications of an integrated church filled with Gentile believers in their strange cultural practices. Just to give you a brief idea here, this is talking about Acts chapter 15, where they're going out and beginning to reach the Gentiles, which is people like you and I, who were not in the Jewish culture at this particular time. So the Jews had their ways, as we see through the Old Testament law, and things that God had given to them. So for, for them to reach out to people like you and I who were Gentiles who had some wild ideas and, and, and we, we ate things differently than they did and all that sort of stuff was, was quite an astounding thing. So that's what they're discussing here. That's what they're debating of what do we do because if our church gets overran by all these people that are doing all these crazy things out there, then we've lost everything that we have gained here. And so it says after one had their say, after everyone had their say, Paul and Barnabas were asked to report on their travels and the miracles they had witnessed as many Gentiles experienced conversion. Their success among those Jewish descent had been limited, but so many Gentiles had embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul had become known as the apostle to the Gentiles. The revival reports, conversations, persecution, deliverance, and other stories of signs and wonders caused the crowd to listen more carefully and open their minds to the new things that God was doing. However, some voices of dissent called for all believers to keep the law of Moses and embrace the custom of circumcision. After Peter spoke at length, defending the grace of God and the work of God, uh, or the work that God was doing among the Gentiles, it was James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, who challenged the believers to embrace all ethnicities into their fellowship. James sought consensus of the church and offered a compromise for peaceful coexistence between groups of different backgrounds and cultures. 
He maintained that the Gentile believers should, be, should not be required to adopt Jewish traditions and stated, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He continued by outlining four areas that Gentiles should adopt to facilitate peaceful unity in the church. Abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immor- uh, immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. You can see that in Acts 15, 19 through 20. James played a pivotal role in resolving this disruptive issue that could have ended what deepened, uh, with deepened division. Instead, those present were able to come together, from the apostles and elders to the entire Jerusalem church, with a peaceful and a unanimous resolution. They agreed to send out letters to the church calling for no more restrictions on Gentile believers other than the requirements upon which they had agreed. For the uninitiated, it is difficult to imagine spirit-filled Christians ever have a disagreement or impure motive. We may unintentionally project the idea that new birth experience produces perfect people with no capacity for jealousy, coveting, anger, or any other less desirable behavior, if only that were so. There will always be occasions for debate and discourse, even strong disagreements, but let there also be a willingness to seek peaceful resolutions in our greatest areas of conflict in Jesus' name. It really is quite eye-opening when you begin to read about these people in the Bible and dig into the different stories and the miracles and things that happen, yet they still had that human being part of them where they still struggled with things in their lives. They still struggled with one another. They struggled how each other handled particular situations, and sometimes it took them going through some tough storms together in order to identify what they needed to do to work through some of those things there. So to have that today in a modern-day church is nothing new. You hear the phrase that there's nothing new under the sun and that sort of thing, but in all reality, that's the point in case that we will have struggles here, and we will have debates against certain things, and we will have different beliefs and believe uh, in different politics and, and that sort of thing or different people in that, that we will certainly have those ideas about us. But we can become peacemakers in the midst of those situations so that even though we have that stuff going on around, we can still excel in the kingdom of God and we can still reach our community and we can still shake one another's hands and we can still hug it out and believe that God is going to take us through those places in Jesus' name. And I am thankful because it, it, this, it, this is a great church in reality we we have not much of that at all, but sometimes it does try to rear its head up, and we have to be careful with those things that come in there and say that I want to be a peacemaker in Jesus' name. And so that's what we're going to be talking about here tonight, is how do we be peacemakers not only in the world, but also in an atmosphere like this? How do we come to a place like this and be able to make it through some of those tough situations that may come up? Uh, An example that I can give to you is inside of your family household, that when you begin to live with people over an extended amount of time, and, and, and that time just continues to grow and grow and grow, there's pieces of that, there's issues that begin to rise up. Little things that you never had an issue with before begin to rub you the wrong way, and all of a sudden it can cause a huge uh, disagreement or explosion and that sort of thing. And, and we're not immune to that inside of this place as well, that we come here and in all reality, I probably know you all more than I do uh, most of my co-workers or the people around, that you are probably my closer friends than anybody that I have out there in, in, in all reality. And so for nothing to ever come up between us or disagreement would be unreal to begin to state that but we will have those things 
we can still become peacemakers in the midst of that. And so James, he is one of these peacemakers. He's one of these guys that can come in and begin to speak about some of these things here. Now, the reason that James was able to do this is because he was uniquely qualified to begin to speak uh, into this situation where this debate was happening. First of all, he had the respect of the believers, the people that were around him. So James was living his life in a way that people were respecting him for how he was living for the kingdom of God. And they were respecting him so much so that when they were in the midst of this disagreement, James was able to come in there and begin to speak the resolution to the situation. And people began to listen to him. And they began to uh, think maybe James is right about this, that we should just limit this to the things that God wants us the, to, to, to place in the church, that people should abstain from sexual immorality and these items and these things around here and and maybe if if we just put these things out here then it will absolutely take over this disagreement that we have going on here they had enough respect for James that they were willing to let him come in and speak into that situation it shows the importance of us that when we are walking and, and showing ourselves in the community and inside of this church to fellow believers and people around us that we want to uphold ourselves in a way that when we speak into a situation it just doesn't come off as People saying, man, he's just out here to blast us again, or he's just out here to bring his own ideas into this thing again. But when we speak, people begin to listen that they hear a peaceful tone inside of that voice. And so James is representing this. And so James called upon members of the church to stop quarreling and to live in peace. He said it this way, that the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of righteousness, it's sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace. Pretty incredible stuff there in James 3 and 18, if you want to look that up. But the fruit of righteousness, sown in peace by people who make peace. You can truly begin to see that when you look at somebody who wants and desires to have peace in their life, that they're not out there trying to be quarrelsome, that it seems like the righteousness of God can impact that person's life a lot more so and be alive and well in that person's life than somebody who is trying to create quarrels and, 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 and begin to rise up different situations and cause storms inside of people's lives. You can see righteousness begin to move in incredible ways. And so it's interesting that it is so closely related to peace here in what James was saying. So let's tonight identify the enemies of peace, the things that want to attack it, the things that want to come at it, the things that don't want it to be alive and well inside of our lives, because there's plenty of them out there. And so we're just going to kind of cover the, the big groups here tonight, but there's a lot of things out there that absolutely want to attack peace inside of our lives. First, the unrestrained and immature among us are often the source of conflict. If we look at those different things, we can see that the people who are unrestrained, who do not want to be under a pastor or leadership or under somebody who can speak into their life and say, I don't think that that is good for you, are often the people that can quickly begin to disrupt peace inside of a church faster than a lot of other things that I have seen inside of particular circumstances. I'm not saying that every person needs to just be there and, you know, uh, you know military, that it's a military thing that you're going to come in here and you have to 
obey this and this and this and 20 push-ups now and that sort of thing. That's not what I'm, I'm saying by this. But we need to have people inside of our lives that have the ability to say no to particular things inside of our, our lives. That if we're doing something and, and we hear that, that friend of ours or a pastor say, man, that's probably not the best way to be doing it, that we are willing to listen and hear and understand that. Instead of saying that I am going to live my own way, I'm going to go wild, I'm going to go evangelize the world, but I don't need any sort of authority over me because God's my authority and that sort of thing. It's a terrible idea when we begin to do that and it can lead us down terrible places and it can really begin to disrupt the peace in an atmosphere that is like this. And believe me, Satan would love nothing more than disrupt the church and tear things apart and cause the just confusion inside of an atmosphere. But when we invite peace into an atmosphere like this, people can come to our church. They can see that God is alive and well. There isn't that idea of confusion of one person believing one thing and this completely over here and then this and, and back and forth and that sort of stuff. But they can come in that atmosphere and just have a peace knowing that what is taught is out of this word of God and that it can speak directly into their lives. It's a good thing when we see that in Jesus' name. And so another uh, dangerous weapon is that of humanity, or one, actually the, there, there's a danger, um, dangerous weapon that we have in humanity. Can anybody guess what this dangerous weapon is that we have in humanity that can be an enemy of peace by chance? The tongue. Yes, absolutely. The tongue. Yes. She looked ahead probably in the notes, so that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, James, absolutely. So James, he's, he identifies this aspect, this one piece here, that really is one of the most dangerous weapons that we have in all of humanity when we think about it and we think about this. And so we see this, that there is the tongue of fire. And uh, if I can get my slides to go here. Oh, there. Maybe. Can you go to the next one, Sister C? That'd be great. Whatever the next slide is. There we go. The tongue of fire. And so we have this tongue, and it is a challenging thing to control when we begin to think about it. We, we think thoughts and that sort of stuff, but sometimes we let them come out of our mouths, and they are not meant to be spoken, and they are not meant to be said. And so the challenge of control inside of our lives, it ultimately begins with our tongue. Scripture says this in James 3 and 8, that the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And we have all probably said that at some point in time that we have been hurt by something that somebody has said to us. Words absolutely have a sting and they can absolutely hurt us more so than even physical things around us. That's why that saying, sticks and stones can break my bones but words can never hurt me, is absolutely a false statement when, when you begin to think about it. Because man, sticks and stones can break my bones and I can get up bruised. I absolutely can do that. But man, somebody's words can dig so much deeper than what that stick or that stone could truly do inside of my life. And so James related the tongue to, to, to some different places here. He spoke about it being a tiny ruddle, or rudder on a ship where you have a massive ship, but the ship is controlled by a very little rudder on the back that the captain, when he begins to steer that ship one direction or another, and that rudder begins to direct the ship, that it can change the course of that entire ship by just that little rudder. Or it talks about the, the power of a 
horse and how this is a very powerful animal, so much weight behind it and just, I mean, muscular and they're, they're, they're incredible animals, but they can be controlled by just that bridle inside of their mouth that you can steer in one way or another and how strong that truly is to have those things inside of our lives. He even goes in to say that it's easier to tame a wild beast than for the tongue to be controlled. Things that we think, man, this is very challenging when we begin to, to think about our tongue and how tough it truly is to control or begin to limit inside of our lives. But there is hope. There is hope tonight in Jesus' name that we can control our tongues and that we can begin to work on the things that we say. First of all, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that will give us the ability to begin to take control of our tongues. And so if we give our lives over to the Holy Spirit of God and we begin to put our reliance upon him, then absolutely our tongues can begin to become into subject under who he is in Jesus' name. I have co-workers and people around me that say, man, we're around people that swear every day and so I just can't control it and there is no way to, to stop swearing and these things like that. But... When I stepped on the scene, they said, man, after so many years, after a year, you're going to start doing the same thing. And then after two years, you're going to start doing the same thing. But they didn't realize that I had the gift of the Holy Ghost inside of me. And then I wasn't going to come in there and just begin to speak the same things that everybody else is speaking just to be accepted by them. But I was going to be led by the Spirit of God. And it has allowed me to squash those things so that I don't have to worry about that. And I can avoid that in Jesus' name. It's the power of His Spirit inside of us. But not only that, but perhaps this is the reason why Scripture says that one of the signs of being infilled with the Holy Ghost is what? Speaking in other tongues, right? Speaking in other tongues. It's saying that God is taking control of one of the most powerful elements of our body and he is putting his spirit down inside of us so that that, that rudder or that thing that can control us can be used for his good and for his glory in this world rather than the bad and tearing people down and creating disruption and all these quarrelsome things. But man, if we are praying in the spirit daily, then good things will come out of our mouths. I'm not saying that every day will be perfect and every day will be amazing and that sort of thing, but absolutely the majority of that day can be speaking good things, the things of God, scripture to people, the, the, the powerful things that God has, and it can bring glory to him and to his name. When you stand in the midst of a group of people and they can't control what they're saying, but you have the ability to control what you are saying, not just swear words, but you have the ability to say, I am not going to get in that gossip arena. I am not going to get into some of those bad jokes. I am not going to get into some of those places. When you control your tongue, it will become a witness to the people around you because they understand just as much as we do how tough it can be to control your tongue. And so controlling your tongue is vital to becoming a peacemaker in the kingdom of God. And I remind you that we want to be a peacemaker because we become a child of God. That is something we should strive for because we want to be children of God. And the scripture says that blessed are the peacemakers because they become children of God. It's relating this equation together. You take peacemakers out, then man, it becomes a lot more difficult to begin to get that equation to work out. But if we become peacemakers, then we can become children of God. Proverbs 21, 23 says that those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. 
pretty big word there when, uh, when you think about this. That they, those people who guard their, their mouths and their tongue, they keep themselves from calamity, just destroying, disrupting, tearing things down in the environment around us. Another scripture says this in Psalm 141. Oh, I'm jumping ahead here. There we go, 141 and 3. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. It's okay to pray some of these things in Jesus' name, to say, God, I struggle with what I think and what I say. It's okay to pray that unto God and say, God, I need your help inside of these things here. It's okay to seek his help, and you may not instantly be able to completely overcome that, and you may have some issues with with stepping around it, but God will begin to put a process in your life where slowly every day you can begin to take those steps again, and you can work on these things working through this. So this is a good thing to pray. Set a watch, God, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. God, help me to think about what I'm going to say before I just let it out there, and I begin to speak things to people. God, help me to say things that glory glorify you, God. Help me to say things that don't discredit you when I speak to people that are inside of my life. You can pray prayers like that, and God can help you to overcome different things in your life. And so what scripture really begins to tell us is that we must speak truth in love, that we must speak the truth in love. It says in Ephesians 4 and 14, that we should no longer be children and exhorted that we speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, which is Christ from who the whole body joint and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, encouraging us to speak these things in love in Jesus' name. And so let me ask you the first question here tonight, but what are some ways to speak the truth without being argumentative or confrontational? What are some ways to speak truth without being argumentative or confrontational? Jesus' name. Sister C laughs. Yes. Sorry. Just don't pay attention to it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that can help. It definitely opens the door. I I, I agree, you know, and, and it lets them know where you're coming from, um, that you're not just there trying to blast them. Absolutely. Anybody else? It's a great idea. Great idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, another great idea. Another great way. Very much so. Along that same note, I mean, uh, you know, pulling them aside to maybe inviting them to a private dinner rather than confronting them in front of a group of people. Um, things like that. I mean, there, there's a bunch of different ways that we can speak uh, the truth without being argumentative to somebody uh, around us. And sometimes, even if we, we say these wonderful things and we try to preface it and we do it in a private area, they'll just snap and, and go down certain paths. And I've had it happen before. And it's, it's tough and it's hard because then coming back around and trying to speak to them again takes quite a bit to, to get back to that particular place. But God can give us the ability 
to do that. And if we let his spirit lead us, then he will absolutely allow that to happen. So I would encourage you to not only do these things, but to pray uh, before you uh, try to, to speak to somebody in love and that sort of thing, saying, God, give me the words to speak. Give me the place. Give me the ability to say what you want to have said. And if God gives that to you, then you can absolutely know that you are speaking that in love if you're speaking what he has given to you. And you can walk away assured that God is still working um, in the midst of that situation. You don't have to walk away discouraged from it. So there's some good things that you can do with that in Jesus' name. And so humanity, our humanity, it involves emotions and feelings in so many different places. And so this brings us to another thing here that we have the tongue of fire and that there's this uh, irritation of conflict. That sometimes, well, I think most of us, that when conflict begins to rise up, we can get irritated at that person or irritated at the situation and that can begin to turn into anger and things can begin to go many different places. The other thing that it says up there is the chaos of contention. That when contention begins to come into a situation, it can begin to cause chaos or a chaotic place inside of that. And, and sometimes we like that. Sometimes people strive off of that. But other times people say, I want nothing to do with the, the chaos that a, a chaotic situation can bring. And so we shy away from contention. But we should really find a path that is right between the middle of those two. That we say, God, if you want me to speak something, then I am willing to speak it. But if you don't want me to, then I'm going to shy away. And I, I, I really don't want to be involved or wrapped up in something like that. As spirit-led Christians, our responses should always be governed by a pure heart, and our speech should be filtered through honorable motivation. The tongue cannot be used to bless God one moment and then curse one who was created in his image the next. That's something that we must remember very strongly, that, that to bless God and come into the church like this, but then to curse our brother and sister outside of an atmosphere like this is completely negating everything that we did in here to honor God. And God sees that, and God sees what is inside of our heart. And so we must be willing to repent and to pray and say, God, help me not to have odd against any. Anybody. Help me not to speak gossip. Help me not to create things against my brothers and sisters because it is something that, that some people are almost addicted to in the world around us. You can get on Facebook and see it there that, man, uh, people will just go down and even if they don't directly confront somebody, they will passive aggressively confront somebody and post something on there because they know that it will still stab that person, but yet they, they don't want their friends to know that they're stabbing that person, even though it's obvious that that's what they're doing inside of that. So so we need to pray and we have to be careful as Christians that we desire to be peacemakers. And if we are going to be peacemakers, it's not just about what our tongue physically says out loud, but it's about what our tongue says on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter and these different places out here. And that's why some people have just wiped those things completely out and said, I just don't want any part of them because there's too much temptation there to dig things out and to try to get at somebody and say some things there and all over the place. I mean, man, the internet is full of all sorts of words. And uh, I was listening to pastor's message this morning and he said last Sunday that the internet is absolutely true that everything you read on that is true and I have to disagree with you on that pastor but yeah. 
But, it, uh, but you, you have this internet and there's just so much gossip and rumors and that sort of stuff out there that there's just thing after thing in, on there. And it's just wild what you can see, but it's all coming from our tongue, just that little rudder steering these big shifts. And look at the political atmosphere right now inside of our country. Look at the news media and what's being reported and, and, and this and that and those things. You can see how much just these words begin to steer entire generations towards a certain direction in Jesus' name. But we have the Spirit of God to let us overcome those things. The Spirit of God can ultimately speak louder than that in our communities around us. It can speak louder than that inside of people's lives. It can speak louder than that on Facebook when we begin to say those things and, and people know that that's what we are about in Jesus' name. It can begin to bring peace inside of a storm that so many people want to create in the world around us. And I am thankful for that in Jesus' name. And so... Um, I'm going to skip the next question, but ask you the, the, the one after that in, in just a second here. But there is a temptation inside of this with your tongue, the temptation of self-exaltation. Does anybody know another word for temptation of self-exaltation? Pride, yes, yes, good guess right there. That wasn't in your notes. Pride, that, that's what this is speaking about, that man, we get this pride welled up inside of us and sometimes our tongues would love to speak nothing but good about ourselves. It, it says this, that that is when we try to make things appear better than they are and paint ourselves a more successful veneer than what is actually realistic around us. And we could probably all know somebody like that that has said those things or posted that it's amazing that in our generation today that there are people on Instagram that have created um, photos and posts and things to make people think that they're living inside of mansions with beautiful cars and all of that. And people literally believe that these are the places that they are living because of their, their tongue and what they're saying. And they're eating this up, this self-exaltation of saying, man, I'm loving this, uh, uh, what, what I'm getting from people, that I'm getting all these likes and all these people to say things about me and all that sort of stuff. When in reality, it's completely fake with nothing there that you could punch right through it and there would be nothing on the other side it's incredible this temptation that is here and so for us to say that it is not here it is is not true at all but this is a temptation that we will all face at some point in time of saying am I going to give God the glory or am I going to take the glory for what God is doing through my life what am I going to do and what am I going to speak about these things in Jesus name and then not only that but we have the contradiction of worldly wisdom, things that contradict what God says. What seems acceptable and even wise in our culture is not necessarily so in the eyes of God as revealed inside of his word. James 1 and 5, it told us that, that true wisdom comes from God and it is freely given to those who ask him of it. And so if you desire wisdom, we shouldn't be researching the world, but we should be asking God for wisdom inside of our lives, and he will give it to you to help you control your tongue. It says this in James 3 and 13, that who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. 
It doesn't say that this man has went out there bragging about everything that he is and that he can do and, and that sort of thing. But this man here is somebody who God has spoken to and he just lives the way that God wants him to live and he sees the miracles happen around him as a result of that and he gives the glory to God and he's willing to try to help anybody else try to attempt to see that miracle in their life as well in Jesus' name. That's what this is speaking about here. So let me ask you this next question of how can our thoughts about a person be affected by boasting, arrogance, or self-promotion? What, what are our thoughts towards those things? Our flesh doesn't like it, doesn't like those people? Is that kind of what, what you're, you're saying? Yeah, because our flesh loves those things, right? To boast and kind of like eat those things up but we don't like it when somebody else is that way right yeah absolutely anybody else like what what I mean what what do you feel it's okay I guess you don't have to be absolutely honest here but it's okay to be honest about maybe what, what do you feel when you see somebody who is being completely self-arrogant boasting and, and just going about it with these things here Absolutely. Envy and jealousy. Those can definitely result from it. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else? Something that you might feel as a result? Yes, Sister C. Absolutely. They can be mean. Absolutely. And, and it kind of gives you a heart for some of these people, too. There, there was a situation that I was involved in on, on a team and a group of people, and this guy walked in there and, I mean, man, uh, had money rolling out of everywhere. And God had just blessed him and, and that sort of thing, and uh, just super successful businessman. And it was just, a, you know, everybody right away was just attracted to this person and just, I mean, this, uh, you know, personality that everybody just seemed to love and that sort of thing. And, and I kind of stood back because it, it, it was kind of these things that were being emanated from that. And I can kind of feel it. I'm like, God, there's just something that is not right here. And unfortunately, I, I've seen that person fall larger than I have ever seen anybody fall of going from being super successful in the kingdom of God to be absolutely underground. And it's, uh, I can't go into all the details here. But it is a challenging thing for those people because when you begin to open these doors inside of their lives or when they have them upon their lives, it opens doors that, my goodness, it, it can take them to places that are just um, 
hard and, and harsh and, and away from God. And so we need to pray uh, that this doesn't become us and that we don't open this door, but we need to pray for other people around us as well that are inside of the situation. But I thank you all for being honest about what this makes us feel, because it does. And then sometimes it can begin to weld these things up inside of our life because we say, man, I want to I wanna be like that in some of those situations. But it's not what God desires, that we are meant to be pleasing in his eyes. And if we are pleasing in his eyes, then that's all that matters. Even if we are not pleasing to everybody else around us, we want to be pleasing inside of the kingdom of God. So in reality, we're going to talk about this, but there are going to be conflicts inside of the church, within the body of Christ, within these four walls that are here, and within people that come through our church. There will be conflict and disagreements amongst us. James identified the root cause as impure motives, selfishly striving to fulfill our own desires leads to friction and clashes inside of the church. And, and we have probably seen that before. Maybe we have done that and we've had to repent of it and say, God, I messed that up and I did that wrongly in that particular circumstance. That it shouldn't have been about me, but it should be about my brothers and sisters and about your kingdom coming into the church and working through this. Our prayers must ultimately become more inclusive of others. If our prayers, that this is a great way to alleviate this inside of the church, this conflict that can begin to well up, is, is not praying for ourselves 100% of the time that we are praying. That if we're sitting there saying, God, I pray for a new vehicle, I pray for a new house, I, I pray for this and that inside of my life and all these sort of things, and, that, and we just kind of completely repeat that cycle over and over again, but we never mention anybody else or we don't mention our coworkers or the people that are around us or, or the person that we work worship next to, if we don't mention those things inside of our prayer, then absolutely some of these prideful things can begin to well up inside of us and cause conflict inside of the church because now worship time becomes about me, my favorite song that I want to hear inside of worship, my favorite preaching message that I want to hear, my favorite preacher that I want to hear. And if it's not that way, then my goodness, I just don't want to come to church anymore because it's not what me, myself, and I desire inside of that. But when our prayers begin to come more about the people around us and saying, God, I desire that you pour your spirit into their life just as much as you pour it into mine. God, I pray that you bless them just as much as you bless me, God. I pray that you just let that move, that atmosphere inside of our church, no matter what song is being sung. That God, if it's not my favorite song, if it's my least favorite song, then I'm still going to worship you in the midst of that in Jesus' name. If it's my least favorite preacher, I'm still going to worship you in the midst of that, God, because it is about you and you impacting people. And that can begin to alleviate conflict so quick because no longer are you confronting the worship leader about the songs that they're singing. No longer are you talking to the pastor about too much bass or not enough bass or these sort of things. I know those things have to be addressed certain times, but if we're constantly complaining about that and making it about ourselves, then we are not becoming peacemakers and we are not becoming children of God. That we want to desire to be peacemakers. And you can see how peaceful that would make a church atmosphere to say it's about God and Him blessing people, not how I think they should be living, but I'm going to let God impact them and tell them how they should be living. He can do that. That's not my job or my role throughout the church, but I am going to let Jesus do these things here. And it is about being a peacemaker in the midst of these things here. And so the result will be a resolution of conflict in the prevalence of peace inside of this atmosphere. 
So becoming a peacemaker. We've been talking about all this, how not to do our enemies, things like that. But becoming a peacemaker has some different things that we can do to become a peacemaker inside of atmospheres and inside of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. First of all, if we want to be a peacemaker, we must seek God's peace in our own lives. There's plenty of scripture to show that you cannot give out unless you have it inside of yourself as well. That we are meant to be a river of living water. That the scripture says that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water from the Holy Spirit inside of us. But if we don't have a source coming into us, then how will we let that flow into other people's lives as well? We've got to let that continue forward and and not just bottle it up, but let it flow. That's what scripture says that it's meant to be. And Chester Wright speaks to that very much so that it's meant to be something that comes inside of us and impacts us, but it flows into the lives of other people people around us, not just vased or bottled up, and then we begin to pour it out and it's sloppy, but a a direct flow to where God desires it to go in our lives and the lives of others. So how can we talk to others about peace if we are constantly living in turmoil and angst and conflict inside of our own lives as well? I'm not saying that you won't go through that and that you won't need brothers and sisters help to help you through some situations in your life. But if it is a daily thing, if it is a weekly thing that you're saying, man, I have a new issue and it's this big, terrible thing and and all this sort of stuff and you just can never escape that, then how will you ever bring peace into somebody else's life if you cannot find peace inside of your own? And so that's why these lessons have been so essential that, man, God desires for you to have peace inside of your life. He desires for you to live a wonderful life down here, that even though those storms may be going on and you get bruised by the things that get thrown at you by those storms, you're still meant to have peace in the midst of that, that you know what's going to happen in the end, that you don't have to fear death, you don't have to fear COVID and these things that are around you, but you can know that God has it all in his hands and we don't have to be uh, enemies with all this sort of stuff in Jesus' name. Jesus taught that the storehouse of the heart must first be filled with good things. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak in Matthew 12 and 34. So he's telling us that we must begin to stock these things up before we get into the situation. That we must begin to stock these things up before we get into those those places that begin to challenge that peace inside of us. We could stand here right now and say, God, bring, bring a situation at me because I want to demonstrate my peace and that I can become a peacemaker. Or we could begin to say, God, just begin to help me right now. That, that whatever you want to pour into my life, I desire it to be poured in so that when the situation comes, I can become a peacemaker. Again, backing up to what I said earlier, praying for others, praying that God would move in the atmosphere of the service, not just making it about ourselves inside of that atmosphere, but saying, God, you can move in the lives of other and others. And if we begin to prepare for that battle before it comes, then man, when it becomes, it will be so much easier to see the peace of God and to restrain our tongue in the middle of that situation. I had uh, one of those today, and it wasn't that crazy. Sister Seek came in, and she made the comment that ladies are tougher than men. And so, you know, I wanted to, to begin to say some things and, and argue a little bit with her. And, and, you know, it's fun with Sister Carnahan. But I said, Sister C, I learned from the lesson tonight that I'm going to hold my tongue and bring peace into this situation. And I did that and I walked away in Jesus' name. I brought peace in that situation. 
No, <laughs> so it's just a funny situation. Not that we were really going to get into it or anything like that, but it, it's absolutely one of those. But, but you can begin to prepare for this. You can begin to think funny things like that in simple situations. And then when the real situation actually does come, it's easier to stop it and say, you know what? I'm not going to get in this argument with all these people. I'm not going to sit here and debate whether or not there's a God. I'm not going to sit here and debate whether or not the scripture is alive and real. I believe it and I believe in its authority. And so I'm going to just proclaim it and I'm going to live it out and trust in it in Jesus name I'm going to live it out because I know what God has done inside of that and so second of all we can identify areas of agreement with one another that if there are volatile issues that we know will bring conflict, then we should most likely avoid these hot buttons and rather seek topics where there is more consensus. I understand that there's times that we need to address things inside of life. That's, that, that's part of life. And even inside of an apostolic church like this, I am thankful that we can address some very hot topic issues inside of our lives. That there are times that, man, God does begin to push those buttons when we're sitting out here, and that conviction does begin to roll in our lives and we say, man, you know, this is something that I, I can get pretty heated about God, but, but God knows how to work in there and smoothly begin to come in and change things inside of our lives and bring peace in the midst of those conflicts. And so we should desire to be the same way when we step out into this world, that, that we want to bring peace into those situations as much as we possibly can, that if we can walk away from there and, and still know that the word of God is true and still know that the word of God is impacting that person, that is the best way to do it, that we can still tell somebody we love them, even if we completely disagree with what they are speaking or what, what situation they are going through in Jesus' name. And so occasionally it's unavoidable, this, this, this conflict and controversy. But to be a peacemaker does not mean that we must or appease everyone with a different opinion around us. It doesn't mean that we must appease these people around us and get them to believe everything that we possibly do as well. Sometimes inside of the church, again, we will have differences of beliefs and ideas in here. But that's okay. I'm still okay with coming and worshiping next to you as long as your belief isn't contrary to this, this scripture here. And if it is, I believe that God's going to reveal to you what the truth is inside of that. But out, other things outside of the scripture, other things outside of the kingdom of God, I could really care less what your, your favorite music is or your chocolate or, or whatever food and that sort of stuff. I mean, those are, are things there and we're going to learn to live with one another inside of that. That man, if you invite me over to your house and you give me your favorite food, then I'm going to willingly eat it. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, this isn't my favorite food, so I disagree with this and that sort of stuff. Again, that's bringing that back to the me, myself, and I, but that's not what being a peacemaker is about, that we must be willing to say sometimes we're not just going to appease everybody, we're not going to please every single situation with the worship or the word at that particular time, but we know that God is still working through it in Jesus' name. Again, Ephesians 4 and 15, speaking that truth in love, that we must speak that truth in love, that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And it emphasizes that over and over again, that if we are to speak truth and we're to bridle our tongue and to begin to put it in a place that it needs to be, then we must speak that truth in love to people around us. Not saying that they are anything less than us or that they are any worse or that, that sort of stuff, but just saying, God, I desire your word to reveal itself to them just as much as it has revealed itself to me. I was once a sinner and, and I still am, but God, you have taken me to a better place and I pray that for their lives as 
as well in Jesus' name. It's speaking that truth in love, not just there to condemn or to convict or to tell people how they're doing things and mess stuff up and terrible and all that, because that is going to lead them away from the kingdom of God. It's not going to be a peacemaker inside of that situation. Just like James, we can step into an environment and say, God, you know, we, we have this thing going on in the midst of us, but I believe that you can bring something into this. I believe that you can show us the direction that we need to go. And so third, we must choose to love rather than to win. Choose to love rather than to win. This is a strong thing that can relate to marriages. It can relate to friendships. It can relate to just walking by somebody inside of the grocery store to choose to love rather than to win. That if you see somebody racing towards that same grocery aisle as you, maybe it's better to let them sneak in first rather than shoving your cart in there and saying, man, I won this race and I, I, I got this as a particular place. You can think about these things on so many different levels that I want to love rather than to win. However, so inside of this, there are some things for which it is just not worth fighting. Other issues may be so important that they become a hill worth dying on, but we can pick the right time. It may not be the here and the now that it's worth dying on this mountain for. We must choose to love because winning is not the ultimate acclaim. We are commanded to love one another. And that's what the scripture is clearly telling us, that it is not about winning or being the first across the finish line so you can look back and stick your tongue out at somebody. But it is about loving somebody and saying, I want you to get across the finish line just as much as I am going to get across the finish line in Jesus' name. That it is not about winning. And scripture makes that completely clear inside of some of these circumstances. So to be peacemakers is to choose to love rather than to win in every situation. Can all the married couples say amen? amen. Yes, there you go. Giving you marriage counseling, I'm not even married tonight in Jesus' name. So choose to love rather than to win in the kingdom of God. But then finally, we must be willing to endure injustice. We must be willing to endure some of these things here. My mind goes to the missionaries, these Christians, people who are living in countries like China and the Middle East and that sort of thing, where they can't just go out and proclaim that they are a Christian to people around them because they will die. And they do so by, by speaking to one person individually and trying to convince them about the gospel and that. And it is incredibly risky for them. It is absolutely unjust that they will lose their life for speaking to their friend about the kingdom of God. I mean, they could say, God, you, you, you could come in here and you could absolutely do something in a situation. He absolutely could come in there and completely make it easy for them to witness to the people around them. It's absolutely an injustice that they have to go through some of these things here. And so they could get all upset and fired up with God and cause disruption and, and distortion and that sort of thing about that situation. However, they're saying that, man, we are just going to be willing to endure, endure this injustice so that we can begin to sow seed into people's lives. And whatever happens, it happens. You can see how it brings peace into these people's lives so much stronger that they say, man, I might die tomorrow, but I'm at peace with it because I will go on to live with Jesus. Those people are so incredibly strong to live every day like that in the midst of injustice, saying that I am willing to endure this because God has this in his hands. 
even at the risk of wounded pride and a bruised ego in your life, sometimes the best way to make peace is to suffer an injustice inside of a situation. That sometimes you're going to walk away and your pride will be hurt. Sometimes you're going to walk away and your ego is going to be hurt inside of that. But it's better to walk away and let peace settle in there than to let something begin to rise up inside of that circumstance. I, I think back to the gentleman that I told you about who was at the very top and fell very hard. I was playing basketball with him on these teams and he was on this opposite team. And man, for whatever reason, he just picked me out. I'm, I, I look like a basketball player, but I am the, the most horrible basketball player that is out there. Uh, if, if you want to put me on your team, I'll try. But, but he, uh, he picked me out for some reason. And he just, man, you know, was coming at me and he would just be shoving me out of the way and all these sort of things. And it was just frustrating me and irritating me and all these different things. But the thing that really began to irritate me is when he began to speak stuff about my basketball skills and how, man, nobody should have picked him and all this sort of stuff. And it's kind of going back to high school drama when you really begin to think about this situation. And for me, I could have spoke up and said so many different things to him at that particular place. But this is one of those places where I just had to say, man, you know, I'll let my ego take a check. I'm not going to sit here and argue with this guy and cause a big disruption on the basketball court and all these things here, but I want to be a peacemaker in the midst of this situation. I understand that's just a physical basketball game and what's going on there, but you can do that inside of situations at work that, man, you know what? It may be time to just take an ego check and say it's not worth it to get into this here because I would rather have peace in this situation than it is there. Absolutely, it is worth it to stand for Scripture. It is worth it to stand for God. It is worth it to stand for some of those things there. But it doesn't mean that we stand there and argue and belittle people that are around us because of those situations in Jesus' name. So I'm not saying to just become a weak person and not stand up for anything here, but I'm talking about becoming a peacemaker, that there's times to die on a hill and there's times to say, man, it's just not worth it because it's not going to get anybody anywhere inside of this circumstance. And so Proverbs, again, gives us some absolute wisdom here. We pray for wisdom, and God gives it to us. Here's one of those places, that a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words, they stir up anger, that they begin to, to bring it up. I mean, what wisdom? We, 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 we know this, but we don't proclaim it. We don't think about it. That, man, a soft answer can begin to turn away that wrath of somebody inside of our lives. But when we begin to allow those words to just come unleashed and say, man, well, you're nothing but a terrible basketball player too and all that sort of stuff, the anger is just going to begin to rise. And, and it's just that, 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 that place that we don't want to go to in Jesus' name. So be willing to endure injustice. And believe me, if you are a Christian, if you are an apostolic, then you are going to have some injustice inside of your life. You're not going to be picked for things that work. You're not going to get certain positions. Things aren't going to open for you because of people around you. It's going to be injustice, but sometimes we just have to endure that and know that if God wants that door open in our lives, then he will move mountains to see those doors open. I, I have seen it time and time again where God will literally take a, 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 a boss or whoever and he will move their hand for them whether they want to move it or not. God can open doors if they are meant to be open and we can have peace in that in Jesus' name. So that's why if we are peacemakers and we say, man, that's a battle not worth fighting, then God can come in and fight our battles for us and begin to see the victory in Jesus' name. Not only this, but the Corinthians were told to strive for full restoration, to encourage one another, to be of one mind, to live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be 
with you. This is towards this church, towards a group of people. And when we think about this scripture, it absolutely applies to us as a body as well, that we can say these things to us also, that we should strive for full restoration. We should encourage one another, that we should be of one mind, knowing that there is one God, that there is one salvation, that there's one baptism in Jesus' name, that these are things that we could come together and agree on because we have seen them in the scripture and we know that they are alive and real inside of scripture. Being of one mind, live in peace in the God of love and peace that he will be with you. God is saying that if you become a peacemaker, then I am going to bring peace inside of your life. So as children of God, we are called to pursue peace in all of our relationships. I know that our flesh may not like this, it may not desire this, but we are called to pursue peace in all of our relationships. Some may seem to thrive on contention and conflict, but those are not godly characteristics and not characteristics that God desires us to have. We want to be more like Jesus, who wasn't just there to create conflict and that sort of stuff. That wasn't his desire by any means, but his, his desire was to speak truth in love to the people around him. I know that it caused uproars and that sort of thing, but you never see Jesus losing his mind and going crazy and yelling back at them as he's walking out the door. But Jesus just goes in there, he speaks the love and truth, and whatever happens, he allows it to happen, and that, 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 that begins to impact people. Sometimes it's people on the outskirts, sometimes it's not the entire room, but it's just one individual in there that saw how Jesus reacted to that situation, and it convinces them that his words are true. And so it says this in Timothy that he was instructed to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with all those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. We must reject critical attitudes and pursue peace in our lives because this is what God is desiring us to do. Romans 14 and 19, it says this, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith may edify one another or edify another. The qualities of peace and holiness are so important that the writer of Hebrews connected our ability to be in the Lord's presence to our quest to acquire these attributes inside of our lives. Hebrews 12 and 14 again says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, two different things here, without which no one will see the Lord. So two things that we must strive for inside of our lives, that God, I want to be a peacemaker, and I want to see peace happen inside of people's lives, but I also want to be holy inside of your kingdom. And God will begin to mend these two together. They really come hand in hand when you begin to think about it in Jesus' name. And so if you become a peacemaker, you can become a child of God. Incredible things in Jesus' name. And I believe that God will help us. Yes. Do you have something else to add on that? Jesus' name. Yeah. It's a very, very good subject. Jesus said in the 14th chapter of John, he says, peace I leave you. He said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. And so there's a contrast, and that's what we have to sometimes find out, you know. Um, there's a peace that the world can offer us, but it just will not last. It won't go as deep. Then you think about the contrast with wisdom. You know, James, in that third chapter, dealt with wisdom. He said there's a worldly wisdom. But he said the wisdom that's from above is first pure, 
than peaceable. And I think that's the, the, the job that we have to relentlessly keep on. Let's, let's keep our hearts pure. I think that's what will help us to become peacemakers, is if we can become pure in our hearts and our minds and our thinking, which we know we can through the help of the Lord. Amen. Absolutely. Yes, it is a desire that we have in Jesus' name, and we can make our hearts pure and uh, see these things happen in Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to read this last piece here, and then we will pray. And uh, Jesus, I believe in that he's going to allow peace to just expound and expound inside of your lives in Jesus' name. So James really could not have been writing to our church. I didn't write this, by the way, so I'm not speaking about anybody individually here. But it says, James really could not have been writing to our church. After all, we are believers born again of the water and of the Spirit and dedicated to God's service. However, looking around the congregation, there she is, the one that was on the phone today sharing the scoop on who just separated. And where did she get that information? Then on the other side is the guy that still owes the church money or at least uh, an excuse. And what kind of Christian is that? Just as the worship begins, the new guy sits down at the drums, and only yesterday he told a joke that certainly would not be repeated in front of the pastor. Speaking of the pastor, why is he late again today? And we are getting started, and he and the, uh, one of the board members are probably chatting it up in the office. Disgraceful, really. It is truly hard to get into the spirit when there are so many people here with problems, so many hypocrites and unsuitable people. And how is anyone supposed to draw close to God with this many sinners present? Come to think of it, maybe James was writing to our church after all. Sounds like some of our congregation were in the same people addressed in his letter. And how did that happen? James said, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Who are you to judge one another? This is an accurate assessment. It provides a pathway to peace. James also said, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. If we plan to produce the fruit of righteousness, we must plant some peace and become a peacemaker in Jesus' name. I'm thankful to be in the midst of a bunch of peacemakers tonight, and I am thankful that you all were here tonight to hear this in Jesus' name. Let's stand and lift our hands and let that be our prayer tonight as we conclude. God, we believe, Jesus, that there is a world that is in turmoil around us, God, that there are so many situations that are unbelievable around us, but God, you have called every one of these to be peacemakers, God, and I am believing that you have given them the courage and the boldness, God, to hold their tongue, to speak with love that truth that you have given to every person in this place, Jesus, that through you, God, this community can be reached by peacemakers, Lord, that will show and demonstrate your word and the peace that comes as a result of your kingdom, and it will turn glory unto your name in every situation, Jesus. Give us the courage to walk away when we need to walk away, God. Give us the boldness to stand when we need to stand. And Jesus, I believe that you will pour wisdom into every person, Lord, so that they will have the ability to do that here, God. I thank you, God, for what you are doing and what you 
are moving in these lives, God, and in our city around us, Jesus. It is through your authority that it is alive and it is well in every household. In Jesus' name, we believe it. In Jesus' name, we believe it tonight in this place. Amen and amen. Let's just thank him one last time and praise him for how great he is.